Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll look at some of the unsung heroes of the college basketball season so far, the new AP poll that was released today, my NBA Week 7 Power Rankings. We'll talk some Knicks, we'll talk some Nets, Suns, Warriors, and news across both the NCAA and the NBA. Hope everybody's doing well. First things first, got to mention it, even though this is a basketball show. Shout out to my New York Mets. Max Scherzer is now a Met. Um, Trip. Huge addition, absolutely huge addition. Um, our review and previews own host, Henry and Dichter from Hitting for the Cycle, me and him teamed up over the weekend and made a video about the Marte Kana and uh, the Marte Kana and Eduardo Escobar signings. And so you can check that out on our, on our YouTube page. And we got a Max Scherzer one on the way as well. So had to throw that in there, of course. And now, but jumping over to the NBA, first things first, um, some some news that's been jumping around across the league. First, first, you know, that broke out yesterday. The Bucks are going to sign DeMarcus Cousins. Um, Cousins has been out of the league for uh, – was played for the Rockets a bit last year and then was waived. He was out of the league in the 1920 season when he was hurt for, with the Lakers. Only 31 years old, but his career has been derailed by injuries. Everybody knows how dominant he was during his prime four-time All-Star. Um, he's going to get a one-year non-guaranteed deal for the Bucks. It's not official or anything yet, but the news just broke yesterday. Um, he's going to probably go into training camp with them and eventually – uh, could have a shot of cracking the roster, and they may activate him. So it's non-guaranteed. Uh, see how much he has left, really, is is going to be the biggest concern. Um, but, uh, you know, could be, a, could be a big addition for the Bucks. You know, they could use a big man. They could use some more depth in their front court. Uh, you know, they're, they're loaded with good guards and forwards, but they could use a little bit more depth in that department. Obviously, if Giannis goes down, if Middleton goes down, um, the Nassus and, you know, a few others are, are really the only big backups that they have. So it could be, 
definitely a, a good addition, even if he's just a role player. And another interesting uh, local news that kind of came out, the Knicks benched Kemba Walker. So Knicks announced today that Kemba Walker has fallen out of their rotation. Alec Burks will take over as the starting point guard for the Knicks. Burks has been playing fantastic this season. Tom Thibodeau wants more of a rotation of Emmanuel Quickly, Derek Rose, and Alec Burks. The three of them kind of playing more of a young rotation. Uh, Kemba Walker's obviously had a down year the first quarter of the season. He's averaging 11.7 points, 3.1 assists, and 2.6 boards. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting move. A lot of mixed opinions. Obviously, most Knicks fans wanted it to work out. doesn't mean it's still not going to work out. You know, there's still a chance that Kemba could have a decent role on the bench if he can start figuring things out. But uh, the injuries have caught up to him. And, you know, he was on a decline last year with Boston. And we're starting to see that now with the Knicks as well. Uh, so I think that it's... It's just a difficult situation. You know, he's a New Yorker. Obviously, it was a great story. We all loved that they brought him in from the Bronx. But um, he just has not played up to the standard that, you know, the old Kemba Walker of even three years ago, the all-star Kemba Walker, even half of that. Uh, then for any Knicks fans out there that are annoyed about the decision, a couple of interesting stats that you should know. Uh, with Kemba Walker on the floor this season, they've had the worst defense in basketball. With him on the bench, they've had the best defense in basketball. So from 30th to 1st, which is pretty drastic. And then on offense, they with him on the floor, they've had the 27th best offense in basketball. And without him on the floor, they've had the ninth best offense. So without him, they're the best defense in basketball and the ninth best offense. So... Pretty pretty drastic numbers right there. Kind of speak for themselves. His plus minus has been awful this entire season. So, you know, this is going. To, this is definitely a move that they'll help bolster the team a little bit. They're eleven and nine. You know, guys start stringing some wins wins together. They uh, have a tough schedule upcoming. So we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. And then jumping over to a different borough, we got the Brooklyn Nets benched Blake Griffin. Now this kind of Got swept on the rug a little bit, I found, over the last couple of days. Kemba Walker was more on the news, um, but the Nets benched Blake Griffin. That kind of came out today. Um, Blake Griffin's had a, a terrible season to this point for his standards. He's averaging 5.5 points, 4.9 boards in 21.7 minutes um, this year. He's obviously the six-time All-Star. He's set to turn 33 in March. Uh, has not by any means I uh, lived up to even the standard that he said last season, last season we saw he's gone through a lot of injuries and he's, he was a young player uh, when he came into the league. So he's got a lot of miles on him. That's for sure. But you know, he's a hundred percent been kind of driven through the ground at this point. And, you know, he was serviceable last season for Brooklyn when they picked him up from Detroit, but this season he's just, He's he's been their Kemba Walker pretty much, and honestly, I think even worse. And now Joe Harris, the news broke today that Joe Harris will be out four to six weeks uh, with a broken arm, I think, broken leg, something like something like that, along those lines. But he's going to be out four to six weeks. So the Nets dealing with some injuries with their depth, which definitely hurts. We've got a couple of comments. 
Uh, do they trade Kemba? See, that's that's a good question. I I think if they would, they would if they could. I don't see anybody like nobody's dying to try to trade him right now. You know, he's he's owed eight million this year. He's owed eight million next year. The Thunder are paying off that huge contract that he signed with the Celtics a few years ago. The Knicks signed him to a two-year 16 mil deal. So he's he's under contract again next year for eight million. So I don't especially with the way things are going, I don't I don't see them trading him anytime soon. You know, I think that if he were to come off the bench and start playing a little bit better, you know, start showing a little bit more serviceable, maybe you could trade him, but I don't think that trading him would be at the top of the Knicks to-do list right now, you know, trying maybe trying to figure him out and getting him back on track would definitely be a much more uh, solid task. And then we got Nick Lombardi. He's the only one on the team with a plus minus of minus a hundred or more. That's that is that right there kind of explains it all. Um, it's absolutely true. The team has, just flowed completely better without him. Um, you know, and I love Kemba Walker too, uh, but it, it, it just looks like his better days are behind him. So it's tough to see, but, you know, hopefully a bench roll will start to get him going. The What it looks like right now is he's fallen out of the rotation. It looks like he's they don't plan on playing him right now, but you never know how practice goes. You never know how you know, garbage minutes go. And if he starts to gain a little more momentum and they give him some more time, but you know, you got the young guys are playing great. Quickly is playing fantastic. Derrick Rose is playing fantastic. The bench, the Obi Toppin is playing fantastic. The bench has a chemistry that the starters have not been able to figure out this year. We've been winning games because of the bench. So I think giving them more minutes and, um, you know, kind of decreasing, some of the veterans that haven't been playing up to their standards minutes to this point is what's going to help them win games. At the end of the day, you know, they're 11 and nine right now. There's high expectations for this next team this year. And we don't normally say that, but there definitely is. So jumping over from the NBA, we'll go over to some college basketball for a little bit uh, and then jump back to NBA to end the show. We got the new AP poll that just dropped, but before that, we got a couple more comments. Um, I agree. Definitely. Uh, Henry and Dichter, Bing Bong, uh, Hank of Review and Preview, Hitting for the Cycle. Go check out our YouTube page. We dropped a Mets video. We got another Mets video coming with Scherzer, as I said in the intro. And Review and Preview's Thomas Cavetta, Bucks coming on hot. Boogie joins the bench mob. Absolutely. Be getting to the Bucks a little bit later in the show when I go over my power rankings. They're for sure in my top five this week. But now back to college basketball. We got the new AP poll that dropped today. Um, a few very, very interesting things that happened. Obviously, Duke beat Gonzaga this past week. Uh, all college basketball fans know that. Most most college basketball fans watch that game. But because of it, Duke jumps from five to one um, after beating Gonzaga. So Gonzaga falls out of number one. Gonzaga falls all the way from number one to number three. Purdue jumps up to number two. So Duke is one. Gonzaga, Duke is one, Purdue is two, and Gonzaga is three in this week's eight people, which shakes it up a little bit. Very, very interesting. Baylor, too. Baylor Bears, I'm telling you. They, the reigning national champs, everyone thought um, they brought in a few 
good freshman. They brought James Akinjo in from Arizona, but they lost Davion Mitchell, lost Jared Butler, lost Mark Vidal. A lot of people thought that they were going to take maybe a little bit of a step back this year. They came out of the gate red hot. They're 7-0. and They jumped back up to number four. They're ranked four this week. Kentucky jumps another spot higher. They jumped to number 10 last week. Now they're up to number nine. So they cracked single digits. Arizona, too. Arizona has been rolling. You know, they, they don't have any of the any huge freshmen that, uh, you know, were used to them putting out, you know, potential lottery picks and stuff. They haven't had those in the last few years. But they've been playing spoiler, and they jumped from 17 to 11 this week. And BYU, the same thing. BYU jumped from 18 to 12 this week. So Arizona's sitting at 11, BYU at 12. BYU, not, I don't think too many people thought that, you know, in the fourth week of the college basketball season, they'd be ranking the top 15. But there they are. BYU is their strong this year, and they're just getting better and better and looking, obviously, to switch conferences in the next couple of years. And then Florida, another team that took a huge jump. Florida was not in the top 25. They debuted in the top 25 last week at number 23. And now after another couple of couple more big wins in so far in an undefeated season they jumped from 23 to 14 this week so florida is ranked 14 in the ap poll which is pretty pretty remarkable for um you know there's there's a few teams in this top 25 that not no one really expected to be contenders let alone top 25 teams this early in the season which i absolutely love there's been some some big pickoffs uh, throughout the, the beginning of the season, but that's what makes college basketball great. And that's that's what I love about it. So Florida jumps from 23 to 14. Alabama, so a couple of teams that fell now. Alabama obviously lost to Iona. A lot of people saw that, but they ended up coming back with another win. So they fell from 10 to 16. Iona's not a bad mid-major team. Uh, you know, being a local team, I know a lot more about them than probably, you know, a college basketball fan that lives in, uh, the you know the middle of the country or uh, out west anywhere uh, here in New York, we we know a lot more about Iona. But Rick Pitino, obviously their head coach, Iona played spoiler, knocked off Alabama in the tournament uh, over the week um, at the ESPN Invitational, I believe it was. Uh, so Alabama falls from ten to sixteen after that loss. Memphis also is falling too. Memphis, obviously, supposed to be a top 10 team. They got Jalen Duran and Damani Bates. Um, they also have Josh Minot, who has not been playing a, a ton this season, but who's still a big NBA prospect. Uh, they fell from 9 to 18 this week, so they're all the way down to 18. Michigan, too. Michigan, a perennial top five team, it, some considered in the preseason, fell again. They fell all the way down to the 20s last week, and they fell even further to 24 this uh, for this week. So they're barely holding on to the top 25, which is pretty insane that uh, the Wolverines have, you know, kind of fallen off that much. It's kind of crazy. We've got a couple more comments. Not surprised about the Iona versus Alabama game. I mean, me neither. You know, obviously they matched up in the tournament last year and Iona played them really tough. So it's it wasn't too much of a surprise, a neutral court too, you know, beginning of the season, these kind of, these kind of games, you see so many pickoffs. So not even surprised. Michigan versus UNC on Wednesday. We're going to be definitely going to be getting to that. That's going to be an interesting one for sure. I'm excited about that. But then, but back to the AP poll. Then three teams also made their debuts in the top 25 this week. Iowa State 
joined the top 25 at 19. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Iowa State um, had a couple of big wins this past week, so they jumped to 19. Michigan State also joins the top 25 at 22, and Wisconsin joins at 23. I'll tell you what, Greg Gard um, is is ridiculous. Like that Wisconsin team, year after year after year, just never has a never has any star players, never has um, any you know, big time talent, big time NBA talent or anything, but they're always competitive. You always see Wisconsin sneaking into the top 25 at some point every single season. And no matter who they have on their roster. And once again, you know, they, they went into this season. I remember when a few weeks back when I did the college basketball season preview, uh, looking at their roster, they had one of the weaker rosters um, that, that we went over and you know they're already in the top 25 now in the fourth week of the season so it's crazy and then the illinois fighting line they fell out of the top 25 after another bad loss so that was a notable one that fell out it's the ap poll for this week uh a lot of interesting ones i think that this was probably the most entertaining people out of uh out of the first four weeks so far there's a lot of movement all throughout it um we've got a new number one obviously gonzaga falling a little bit uh gonzaga's got another big game though this week which we'll go over in a few but before we get to the matchups of the week let's go over some of the slept on stars in the country now this is going to be um a segment that i'm going to throw in uh every few weeks or so just to catch everybody up obviously you know 356 teams i think in division one basketball so it's very easy to lose track of some of the guys who are absolutely balling um and you know taking the league by storm so a few names that you gotta watch out for i threw in here the first one you gotta watch out for is from number three ranked gonzaga julian strother julian strother has been amazing this season a six seven two oh five forward he's Took he was a bench player for them last season. You know, got some garbage minutes, and you know, did, didn't play a ton. But now with Corey Kisbert playing for the Washington Wizards, leaving for the NBA draft, Strother jumped into the starting rotation, and he's been averaging fifteen point one points and six point three boards so far this season. He's taking a huge step in his sophomore season. So that's one guy to watch out for. If you're going to watch some Zags basketball this week, definitely check out Julian Strother. Another one is Keegan Murray of Iowa. Now watching Iowa, watching the Hawkeyes last season, you had Luca Garza, you had Joe Wieskamp, you had Jordan Bohannon, you had the McCaffrey brothers, you had um, CJ Frederick. And so Keegan Murray kind of went under the radar, but he, did play really well last season and kind of sh- implemented himself as a guy that you could see stepping up and being one of Iowa's key pieces in the future. And that's exactly what he's doing now. He's leads college basketball and scoring to start the season, obviously only six games, six or seven games in the season, depending on what the team is, but he's averaging 25.7 points a game, 8.8 boards, 2.5 blocks and 1.3 assists. And Iowa has actually played well so far this year, even after losing Wieskamp and Garza to the draft and losing CJ Frederick to Kentucky. They're still competitive this year. The McCaffrey brothers are back. Keegan Murray is, has become the star player on the team. That's a guy to watch out for. So if you're watching some Iowa basketball, check out Keegan Murray, 6'8", 225, big man, uh, plays a little bit of the four, plays a little bit of the five for them. So that's definitely got to watch out for. Then from Kentucky, Oscar Shebway Jr. 
transferred from West Virginia, played two years at West Virginia, was one of the top recruits in the country when Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers landed him. Uh, obviously, he transferred to Kentucky, and he's been taking the taking the SEC by storm. Uh, he's averaging 16 boards a game so far in this young season, which leads college basketball, also averaging 13.2 points and 1.7 blocks, popping up in some NBA draft boards, a 6'9", 255 center, Really, I'm sure you know a lot of people will have him listed as a forward, but he he's really a center, even though he's six nine two two fifty five. Um, so he's way one of the guys you got to be watching out for. And then we'll give a mid major shout out for the last one, last last slept on star, Kenneth Lofton Jr. Kenneth Lofton Jr. Remember that name, people. Louisiana Tech sophomore, six seven two seventy five. He's a big guy. Huge guy, big man. He's had a good freshman year last year. Um, Kenneth, and he's been off to a great start through six games so far this season, averaging 18.2 points, 11.5 boards, 1.8 assists, and 1.2 blocks through six games so far for Louisiana Tech. So that's definitely um, some interesting one. An interesting one to watch out for. You got to be watching any mid-major basketball, watching any Louisiana Tech basketball. Check out Kenneth Lofton Jr. That's um, that's definitely uh, one of the better mid-major players in the country. So going to put him on your radar. So now let's jump over to the matchups of the week. So there's a lot of good matchups this week. I'll tell you that right now. There's um, – there's a pretty long list and to top it and to lead it off, we have um, number one Duke versus Ohio State, which is tomorrow night at 9:30 p.m. Uh, Duke obviously is the new number one in the nation at seven and zero. They beat Kentucky and Gonzaga, which have been their two most notable wins. Uh, Paolo Banchero, you know, name of the episode right there. We got to talk a little bit about him. He's been taking a lead by storm. 18.3 points, 7.6 boards, 1.4 steals. Uh, easily the best freshman in the nation by far. There's, I don't even think it's a debate. And it's my fault. I don't even think it's a debate. And honestly, um, I think that Banchero has really been carrying that Duke team. You know, they're extremely deep, but it, the, with the way he's playing, it's tough to imagine him not being uh, the first overall pick in this upcoming draft. You know, it's it's been the Banchero show. It really has, or Boncaro, however however you want to pronounce it. And then Wendell Moore, though, too. Wendell Moore, you know, was one of the top recruits in the nation last year, Was a, is was didn't get a ton of t- playing time as a freshman with Duke's, you know, um, kind of unstable team last year. But he's in their rotation this year, and he's been going off, averaging 17.9 points, 6.3 boards, 5.7 assists. So those are guys to watch out for. Duke is 7-0. And then Ohio State is 4-2 and to start the season. They beat Seton Hall, but they've lost to both Xavier and Florida. That was one of Florida's big wins that kind of helped them raise up the ranks this uh this week ohio state's four and two though they've they have been struggling a bit without dwayne washington jr but they do have ej liddell who's averaging 22 and a half points a game only player averaging double figures in the team uh and scoring so he's basically been carrying the team but ohio state's four and two to start the year um as and they're going to look to bounce back so a little uh 
Duke versus Ohio State matchup. Always a good one. Then, and then next one, we got Florida State versus number two Purdue. Florida State is not ranked, but they've been one of the hotter teams in the country. That that takes place tomorrow night at 7.30. They're 5-1. and one. They Their only loss came to Florida again. Another reason why Florida is ranked 12 this week. They beat Florida State, uh, but they beat Boston University by one in overtime on Wednesday, which is kind of notable. Um, the Florida, they haven't had too many huge games. That's why they're not in the top 25, but they barely held on against BU and they lost against Florida. Malik Osborne has, has been leading the team in points and rebounds. Raquan Evans is their top assist guy. And then number two ranked Purdue Boilermakers are 6-0. and they, their resume, their big wins, they beat Villanova and UNC. Um, Jaden Ivey has obviously been top five player in the country. Their star player, 15 points, 6.3 boards, 4.2 assists, 1.5 steals. A tall, athletic guard who can do just about everything. This is going to be a good game to watch. This one I'm really excited for. Florida State versus Purdue. And Florida State always plays spoiler, too. I could see, you know, the, this is this could be regardless. This could be uh, one of Purdue's most entertaining uh, non-ranked opponents this season for sure. I think that, the, and this could be one of the most likely teams that could pick off uh, Purdue to the being unranked. I think Florida. You got to watch out. Upset alert on that one. Florida State versus Purdue, and then. Jumping down to Wednesday, we got Louisville versus number 22, Michigan State, taking place Wednesday at 7.15. Louisville is 5-1. and one. They lost to Furman in overtime. This is going to be their first real battle. They have, they've played pretty much a cupcake schedule to this point. Uh, Michigan State's been red hot. They're 5-2. and two. They lost to Baylor and Kansas, which two top 10 teams, but they beat UConn and they beat Loyola Chicago, which were two big wins. Uh, Max Christie, who's one of their star freshmen, averaging eight points, four boards, is a potential first-round pick. So got to watch out for Louisville versus Michigan State. Louisville's got the better record. Michigan State joined the top 25, though, this week. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. And I'll tell you what, if Michigan State beat either Baylor or Kansas, even one of those games, and they were 6-1, and They'd definitely be in the top fifteen right now, but they they debuted in the top twenty five. So that's going to be that's going to be a, an interesting game right there. Uh, Louisville versus number twenty two Michigan State, and then also on Wednesday we got number fourteen Florida taking on Oklahoma. Oklahoma is always good for some upsets, so you have to throw an Oklahoma game in there. Florida has been red hot. This takes place Wednesday at eight o'clock. Florida six and zero to start the season. They beat Ohio State and Florida State. They're two big wins. Uh, Colin Castleton has been a monster. Their star players averaging 16 points, 10 boards, two assists, and three blocks so far through six games this season. Florida has been absolutely locked in. And Oklahoma, on the other hand, has also been fantastic. They're 6-1, and one, but this is going to be their first real test. They haven't played a very difficult schedule to this point. That's why they're unranked at 6-1. and one. Obviously, Porter Moser's first year at Oklahoma, former Loyola Chicago head coach. Uh, Tanner Groves, who uh, the big man from Eastern Washington transfer, came over to Oklahoma, has been their star player, averaging 15.8 points, 6.5 boards, and 2.2 assists. So then, and then later on Wednesday night, we got number 24 Michigan taking on UNC, as you know, one of the comments alluded to before. Uh, you know, a Michigan versus UNC game. A lot of people will be used to, you know, 
that being two top 10 teams right there, but that's not the case so far in this early season. Both teams are four and two to start the year. Michigan lost to Seton Hall and Arizona. That's why Arizona's ranked so high. Seton Hall um, is still in the top 25, but fell a little bit. Uh, Hunter Dickinson averaging 14.8 points, 8.2 boards. Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate, who were two of their five-star recruits that they brought in this year, have not done a ton so far this season for the struggling Wolverines. Houston's only averaging 8.8 points, 4.2 rebounds. Diabate's averaging 8 and 6. Um, so Michigan's going to try to figure things out. UNC, on the other hand, also 4-2. and two. They lost to Purdue and Tennessee. Uh, which are their only ranked teams that they've played, and they've lost to both of them. Obviously, Purdue being number two in the country. Tennessee, though, was a bad loss. They got destroyed by Tennessee. But North Carolina's had a few had a few guys had a few guys to watch out for. Armando Baycott, one of the better players in the nation, sixteen and nine guy. Caleb Love. Coming back for his sophomore year, averaging 15.2 points, 4.2 assists. And Brady Manick, too, the transfer from Oklahoma, is averaging 14.8 points, 6.3 boards. So that's one to watch out for. And then jumping over to Friday night, we got number eight Kansas taking on St. John's Friday night at 7 o'clock. So this game is going to be a good one to watch out for. Um, I'm excited about this two five and one teams, obviously as a St. John's fan, this is, this is going to be a big test, but Kansas ranked eighth in the country. Their only loss this season has come to Dayton, uh, which, which was a bit of an upsetting loss, but you know, you can never count. You never, you can never count Dayton out as playing spoiler. Uh, Oshay Abaji has been one of the best players in the nation so far. Uh, he's in top five in scoring averaging 23.6 points a game. Christian Brown too. Uh, averaging 13 and seven and then St. John's is five and one. Their only loss this season has come to Indiana and uh, they're led by Julian Champagne, who is averaging 21.3 points, 6.8 boards and the Rutgers transfer Montez Mathis and the Vermont transfer Steph Smith have been two of their biggest additions this season. So Kansas for St. John's going to be a good one to watch out for. And then, the only the only game that I have listed this week between two ranked teams, we got coming Saturday night number sixteen Alabama taking on number three Gonzaga. Now, but before saying anything, I absolutely love that Gonzaga is loading up with top twenty five non-conference games to start the season. This is going to get rid of once conference play starts in December, they, and they only play WCC teams. This is going to get rid of the narrative, you know, that Gonzaga didn't play anybody. They had a cupcake schedule. If they end up only having two or three losses to end the season, they have had a tough schedule to start the year. And it, it, and rightfully so, you know, they are arguably the best team in the nation. They're ranked three this week. You know, they lost to Duke in a very close one that could have gone either way. So I, I love that they loaded up with, a bunch of good non-conference games, and this is going to be another one. They're taking on number 16, Alabama. Alabama is also 6-1. and one. Uh, They have Gonzaga and then Houston, their next two games, and they've lost to Iona. So that was their only loss so far this season. Uh, Shackleford's averaging 19.7 boards. Uh, Quinter Lee averaging 16 points and four assists. Then you got Gonzaga, obviously, 6-1. and one. Only loss has come to Duke. They've beat Texas and UCLA, which you know, are two amazing teams this season. So the two of their three 
very, very tough non-conference game to start the season. They've won, and this is going to be the fourth one that we'll, we'll get to see. Drew Timmy, obviously averaging 18.5 points. Holmgren averaging 14 points, seven boards, and three blocks. And Strother, who we went over before, is averaging 15 and six. And then to round out our week, we got a game that come, that goes down on Sunday between two unranked teams that are both pretty dominant, if you ask me. Xavier versus Oklahoma State Sunday at 5 o'clock. So Xavier fell out of the top 25 this week. They were in the top 25 last week. They lost to Iowa State, which was the reason why they fell out. Iowa State jumped into a top 25 at 18 this week because of that win. Um, but they also beat Ohio State, too. So they have one bat. They have one loss to a top 25 team and one win uh, to a former top 25 team. So Xavier is 5-1. and one. Jack Nungy, the transfer from Iowa, has been great so far. 12 points, 8 boards. Paul Scruggs returns 11.8 points, 4.3 assists, 4.2 rebounds, 1.5 steals. And Zach Fremantle, too, still hasn't played yet this year. He's still hurt. Um, so Xavier is 5-1 without Fremantle, who's arguably their best player. So they're still waiting for him to come back. He should be returning soon. And then Oklahoma State, on the other hand, obviously lost Cade Cunningham this past year, but they re-upped with a couple of former five-star recruit transfers. Moose Cisse came over from Memphis, and Bryce Thompson came over from Kansas. Both have been a bit underwhelming to start the season. Uh, Thompson averaging only 9.9 points. Cisse only averaging 7.6 boards. Um, But Oklahoma State has... Had a pretty fairly easy schedule this year. They're six and one. They lost to Oakland. Uh, one reason why they're not in the top twenty-five. If they were seven and zero, they might be in the top twenty-five. But this is going to be their first big test, uh, in my opinion. So Xavier versus Oklahoma State is going to be another interesting one to watch out for. So that's going to so that rounds it up for the matchups of the week, and that rounds it up for college basketball. So. Everybody enjoy the college basketball week. Now let's jump back over to some NBA and we'll go over my week seven power rankings. So as we do every week, give you my top five teams in the NBA as of right now. And to lead things off at number five, we got to have the reigning champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee's barely been in my top five this, this year. I don't even know if they've appeared yet. I think they've appeared once out of these seven weeks, but they're back in it this year. They're on a seven game win streak. Uh, they got the Hornets on Wednesday at home. Then they got, then they're playing in Toronto on Thursday and then at home against the Miami heat on Saturday. So they got only three games this, uh, this week. They're 13 and eight. Now they're starting to creep up that Eastern conference, those Eastern Conference standings, only a game and a half back from the first place Brooklyn Nets, who we'll get to in a couple. Uh, so Milwaukee Bucks are number five this week on my power rankings. At number four, we got the Miami Heat at 13-7. and seven. Miami's been up and down this year. Uh, started off red hot, went through a little bit of a slump, but now they're kind of back to being red hot again. They take on the Denver Nuggets today at home. Obviously, a ton of tension with that after the Nikola Jokic, Markeith Morris beef that happened in Denver earlier this season. Uh, you know, then Nikola Jokic's brothers took to Twitter um, saying that they're going to come to Miami to come see the game. Apparently, they're at the game tonight. I haven't seen too much about it, but the Heat and Nuggets are taking on or playing tonight. Uh, hopefully, you know. Not not many big scrums or anything that that take place. And then Wednesday night, we they got the Cleveland Cavaliers at home. 
Friday nights, they got at the Indiana Pacers, and Saturday night, they're at the Milwaukee Bucks. So they have a pretty hefty schedule this week, four games, two of them being away this weekend, back-to-back nights. And then number three, we got the Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets, 14-6, and six, uh, still first place in the East. They're rising up the ranks. It's definitely going to be um, definitely going to be a tough, you know, road ahead for the Nets, especially with Blake Griffin struggling. You got Joe Harris out for a little bit. Kyrie Irving still nowhere to be found. Um, but they're fourteen and six through the first twenty games. They got the New York Knicks in Brooklyn on Tuesday night, which is going to be an awesome game. I'm excited for that tomorrow night. Friday, they're at home against the Timberwolves, and then Saturday, they're at home against the Bulls. So they're at home all week for three games in Brooklyn. So they're lucky about that. Um, and not not very too hefty of a schedule. They got the Knicks and Bulls who are tough, but then they got the Timberwolves on Friday. So they're number three. And then number one and number two are pretty obvious, and we'll go over a little bit more in depth about these teams uh up next after the power rankings. But number two is the Phoenix Suns, 17 and three. They're on a 16 game winning streak. They are red hot. And, you know, any other season, the first 20 games, 17 and three will get you the number one spots, uh, you know, in, in my power rankings, but there's one team that's better than them. And, you know, I'm sure everybody can guess who that's going to be, but Phoenix Suns have the golden state warriors, Tuesday night in Phoenix, which is probably the game of the year so far this season. Two best teams in the league right there. Uh, Thursday night, they're at home against the Pistons. And then Friday night, they're at Golden State. So they got the Warriors twice this week, which is going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then that brings us to number one, which is obviously the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors have been my number one for the past, I think, five weeks or so. They've have not moved out of that number one spot. They're 18 and two this season. You know, they're absolutely dominant. Still no clay Thompson. He just got assigned down uh, to Santa Cruz to, to play for their G league team. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing what they're doing. It's really amazing. Steph Curry is at an all time different level. Uh, They take on, the Suns in Phoenix on Tuesday. Then they're off until Friday when they take on the Suns at Golden State. And then they take on the Spurs at home um, in Golden State. So they got the Suns twice and the Spurs this week. So they have a pretty easy schedule. They have a pretty light schedule, I should say. Not an easy schedule because three tough games, but they have a lighter schedule. They don't have to play four games. They don't have to travel a lot. They're going to Phoenix tomorrow night and then they come home. They get two days off. They get Wednesday and Thursday off. And then Friday and Saturday, they have two games in San Francisco. So that's the Golden State Warriors right there. So my week seven power rankings, number five, the Bucks, number four, Miami Heat, number three, Brooklyn Nets, number two, Phoenix Suns, and number one, Golden State Warriors. Um, So those are the top five best teams in the league, in my opinion. So now jumping over to our last segment before we wrap things up. Um, the Suns or the Warriors, which one is the team to beat in the West? Now, this is a question that I think a lot of NBA fans are kind of mulling over and wondering, but Suns are 17. You know, obviously we've gone over the Warriors a ton so far in this show. Uh, we had Kyle Russo on to talk about Warriors. I've talked about the Warriors myself. We, we've gone into so much depth because they've kind of been the story of the NBA so far this season, you know? 
they it, it's been amazing nobody th- everybody thought that they'd be a playoff team again and you know competitive but with some of the powerhouses in the west nobody thought that they would be 18 and 2 and running away with the western conference uh the way that they are but that's what they're doing and uh, they kind of been the storyline of the NBA so far this season, the best team in the NBA. So there isn't too much more to say about them besides, you know, Steph Curry having another tremendous season. Their role players are playing great. Jordan Poole probably is is most improved player if the season ends today. Um, absolutely amazing. James Wiseman and Klay Thompson still aren't back yet either. That's even more firepower that they have coming when, you know, those two get healthy. They're both uh, – uh, Clay Thompson is playing, just like I said before, playing a G League assignment, so he should be back soon. James Wiseman should be back in the next month or so, they think. And, um, you know, you got the youngsters, Kuminga and Moody, too, who have played some good bench minutes. Uh, they, they've just been all around amazing. But then you got the Suns, who are 17-3. They're on a 16-game win streak. They started off the season 1-3, and now they're 17-3. Devin Booker is averaging 23.9 points. DeAndre Aiden averaging 15.4 points, 11.5 boards. So, you know, everybody up until I would say this past playoffs when the Suns won the Western Conference, made it to the NBA Finals, a lot of people were ruling out DeAndre Aiden as uh, as being a bust. You know, he's not as good as Trey Young or Luka Doncic. He shouldn't have been the first pick in 2018, blah, blah, blah all that kind of stuff. But Aiden's come to his own, and he's become one of the more dominant big men in the NBA. Sometimes you just got to give these guys time. You know, he was an 18-year-old coming into the league. Got to give him some time. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's having another dominant year. He had a tremendous playoffs last year, and he's following up with another dominant year. And then Chris Paul, of course, averaging 10.1 assists and two steals. I mean, no, the – doesn't matter how old CP3 is going to get. He's going to give you elite defense and be one of the best, be arguably the best playmaker in the NBA um, for sure. But, you know, the Suns have been great offensive team, but I think their real, um, their real identity comes from their defense. And that is what is – making them so tough to beat is their elite young defense. You know, they have Cameron Payne, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Landry Shamit. These guys are four of the elite young defenders in the NBA. And then you got JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder, who are veteran defensive uh, maestros that are playing fantastic themselves, but they just have an all-around amazing defensive team and they're athletic and they're young and they get at you. You know, you got they go up against a team like the Lakers and you, the Lakers are too old. They can't stop them. You know, that's what, that's what makes the sun so tough is how young, how fierce they are and how well coached they are too. Monty Williams has them clicking and that entire team works in a great system. You know, you look at that team, that team on paper, you wouldn't expect them to be 17 and three too. You know, you got Chris Paul, you got, Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, who are stars, but you got a bunch of role players besides that. You know, Michael Bridges is becoming a great player, but you got Jay Crowder, you got Cameron Payne, who was out of the NBA for a little bit. Um, you know, you got Alfred Payton, who was a reject from the Knicks last year. You got Cameron Johnson, who um, was a mid first round pick. No one really talks about Landry Shamma, who's been bounced around from team to team over the past three years. You know, you got a bunch of JaVale McGee, who you know, can never find a home for more than a season either. 
Jay, uh, we already went over Jay Crowder, but you know, the, all these guys have stepped up and played absolutely amazing this this season, and that's what Phoenix is all about, and why I still think that they have a strong chance to repeat as Western Conference champions and make it back to the NBA Finals because they are absolutely locked in. They they went through their rebuild, they did their time, and my God, they they are there. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be must watch basketball Tuesday night and Friday night. The these two Suns versus Warriors games, the by far the two best teams in the NBA, the two most young athletic teams in the NBA too. Um, I I'm hyped to uh, to watch this game and you know see how these two teams match up together because it could be a you know we're only twenty games in the season so can't jump the gun too much but you know a lot of people will say that this could be an early preview of the Western Conference Finals right now Suns versus Warriors so if we get two of those in one in one week obviously they're in this both in the Pacific Division so we're going to see a lot more Suns versus Warriors throughout the season but um. These will be the first two of the year, which is going to be really exciting. So I'm definitely really excited about that. But as far as the question goes, Suns or Warriors, the team to be in the West, right now I still say, say it's the Warriors. Um, the Warriors have proven it. But I think the Suns are hot on their trail and arguably just as good as the Warriors are. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D and to all those listening via podcasts, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the 3 and D. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday night at 830. Have a great night, everyone.